You're listening to episode 46 of the Comics Pals. We're a group of comic book journalists and friends who record a podcast together because we don't talk enough about comics in our daily lives. Marco is in Italy asking to get trashed while doing weird BDSM shit and then Pete's at the Olive Garden because when you're home, you're family. Oh man, he's going to come back and punch you in the mouth. He loves the Olive Garden. Hmm. Uh, I don't think anyone loves the Olive Garden. It's Italy's biggest export. Oh That's why God. Marco's there. <laughs> Can we export you to Italy? Um, uh, I, I think they want me, uh, they're going to extradite me there. <laughs> I'd be arrested. Oh, you, you could only get so lucky. <laughs> because when you're here, you're family. Ugh. Um, so, Marco and, and uh, Pete are not here. We wish them the best in their future endeavors. Because um, they're fired. Exactly. Thank you, Kale. Uh, seasons have changed. It is now September. It was probably September last time we did this, too. Uh, the major difference is that Phil and I are sick. Uh, so excuse us if we sound like ass. But that's every episode. More so, so. than usual. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, thank you, Kale, for keeping my spirits up in my time of anguish. You're welcome. He's a, he's a regular Mother Teresa. Yeah, you know, I was bedridden and uh, feeling awfully awful. And I thought, you know what's going to raise me up? Doing the comics, pals. And I thought, you know what'll really make me feel better? Spreading my germs throughout the entire internet. So, you know what type of person Kale is? I'm sorry, what? (laughs) 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 This took a turn. Alright, so you were saying... all the listeners at home that shipped you and Kale together, Sean, are interested. Please go on. All 0.0. Yeah, we would... I think Sean and I would be the least shippable couple. I believe... I believe... And you'll have to... Our Tumblr fans will have to correct me. I believe we would be what is called a crack ship. Excuse me? A crack ship. Uh, I believe a crack ship is when uh, you... You pair the two uh, characters in a relationship that makes absolutely no sense like they're the they're the couple that has the least reason they would be together but you ship them anyway i see no i think if you're talking about a quote-unquote crack ship on the comics pals it's got to be me and marco i can see that yeah Yeah, i can see that you and i were both old you know we both kind of just want to be quiet and do our own thing we're the geriatric pals yeah, like we could get along because we just won't bother each other. Yeah. I'm not going to bother you. All I'm right. not going to bother me. Yeah. Marco's the pal who comes in the room and is like, come on, peg me. <laughs> <laughs> Please wait, peg wait, me. wait, wait, wait. Okay, hold when on. When it's a man and a man, you don't call it pegging, number one. It's just pure sex, you know? Well, hold yeah. on. I, is it. Did I tune into the wrong station here? Is this the long box? Right, like, what's right, going right. on? Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Let's, Please peg me. Let's let's, uh, let's get a little more what PG here. Um, we don't want to get demonetized on YouTube. Um, not that we make any money off for YouTube. all that monetization we get. Yeah, one day. This episode is sponsored by the Olive Garden because when you're here, you're family. Thanks, Pete and Bessie. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, Pete's gonna hate you. 
Um, <laughs> He's not here to defend himself. That's right. So we've got a we've got a pretty big show this week. Um, lots of news to talk about. But before we get into that stuff, I do want to inform you guys uh, where you can find us when you are trying to report us to the FCC. <laughs> um, you can find us on iTunes, where we are a five-star rated podcast, for which we are very proud and would love to continue that trend. So make it happen. Um, and of course, we're on all the other podcast hosting platforms, including SoundCloud, where you guys have been great to us. Um, and if you are a SoundCloud listener, anyway, why don't you hop over to iTunes and just leave that like, you know, helps. Um, you can find us wherever social media is sold at the Comics Pals. We're always posting good stuff. So if you want to keep up with the news throughout the week, uh, we can be that for you. Or checking out cool art from different creators, uh, stuff like that. That's the kind of stuff we post. Um, so check it out. We are also on YouTube. As we discussed, where we are currently uh, hoping for monetization because we're all poor. Um, Except for Marco, got apparently. A, well, that's true. He's in Italy. He just took a trip to Italy. And where did he go before that? That's when Brad takes up his blood. He, was, he started in Italy. I think he's in Portugal now. Really? I think so. Wow. That's what Jess said. I'm not where paying attention. Where in the attention. world is Marco San Diego? No, he's not in San Diego. That's for sure. Marco, San Diego. <laughs> uh, you can check out our History of the Defenders video on YouTube, which is popping off, I have to say. Uh, it's doing really well for us, and uh, we'd like it to do even better. So if you haven't checked it out yet, go and do that, especially if you're just wrapping up the Defenders. It'd be a great time to check that out. Um, and all of our Wizard World stuff. We posted even more interviews. So if you've seen the early ones, uh, go back because there's more new stuff, including one with Keith Giffen. Uh, which is really cool, and Jordan Gibson, featuring Kale. Featuring who? Me! Featuring Kale. Yeah. We talk about Riverdale, Common Rider, and our mutual love for sandwiches. I haven't watched that video in forever, and I was in it. Check at your own risk, that's what I'd say. Kale's in it. Yes. And last but not least, you can write to us at thecomicspals at gmail.com if you want to talk to us. Why would you? But if you do, you know how to that's make where a you mistake. can do it. Um, <laughs> oh, I love we're this really episode. We're really self-deprecating because we're sick. Oh, I'm just here. <laughs> so uh, let's let's just jump into the reader mail because it is hot fire this week. There's a lot of it. Um, and we're gonna Pete's not here, so we're gonna we're gonna let Kale take the reins on that. All right, so here's hoping I don't fuck it up. Only shot, bitch. So, <laughs> so Marco sent us something uh, from wherever the hell he is, uh, and he says, "Hey pals, uh, salutations from a Czechian fire squad." Um. All right, thanks, Marco. Thanks for writing in. Hope that firing squad <laughs> went well. It was nice knowing you. Uh, this is Marco coming in at the 45 minute mark. I'm currently in Tomania, yes, Tomania, don't know where that is, being held against my will, but way more cooler than the time Phil Palsan was captured by the Russian hand. Kale is here too, no I'm not, and sends his regards, <laughs> <laughs> or, or more like an uninterested grunt. Well, that sounds like me, yeah. Uh, speaking of shipping, 
Marco says, I ship Sean and Phil and would like to officiate it. Sean Casey and Philip Bartley. Long live the oh, king and king. Oh, that's right. Sean and I were... Uh, Sean proposed to me last episode. And then he quickly withdrew the proposal. I did. Yeah. I did, but then I took it back. Yeah. yeah. Sounds like sounds like something Sean would do. <laughs> uh, oh. My... <laughs> Uh, Marco says, uh, my official Netflix show rating is Daredevil Season 1, Jessica Jones. Uh, he only, It says he only made it halfway through. Daredevil Season 2, Luke Cage, even though I didn't see it, The Defenders, and Iron Fist. I'm assuming Daredevil Season yeah. 1 is number one. Yeah. Um, oh, he also has a... Uh, we'll give it a second. He also has a, a special thing that we'll do in a minute. All right. Uh... Oh, what the heck? This is called okay. Kale right. struggling says, through he reader mail. He, <laughs> he says, uh, Miss you pals, drops the mic, Marco. Please excuse any typos or autocorrection sent from phone. All right, well, the only thing I want to address, really, is that if any Chechnians that are uh, members of their fire squad are listening, you know, you can, yeah, keep them. May, may your bullets fly true. Yeah. Do you guys ever, like, get the feeling that Marco's from another planet? I think Marco is yeah. like a a real life. Like I I think some sorcerer used some chaos magic to conjure a sigil to bring Marco alive from some manga page. Wow, that was like, he's literally a walking anime character. That was that's deep. brought to life. I think that's what happened. Well, thank you for your rating, Marco. Uh, it would have been cooler if you gave it uh, on the air with the rest of us last week, but you didn't. So thanks. Yikes. Uh, okay, here we go. Uh, some more reader mail. This one's from James McMahon, uh, friend of the show. Uh, this is about the Defenders Review episode. James says, My personal thoughts were that it's an overall 7 out of 10. Some great moments and a couple standout episodes, but it just it just edged out Iron Fist at times. Though Danny is much stronger in this. Well, I mean, it's okay to be wrong sometimes, James. <laughs> Uh, some good intentions, uh, sorry, some good interactions, uh, Madame Gao had strong moments, enjoyed Electra, wanted more. Some of it felt tapered to leave room for later seasons. Kaylee, you should watch at least Jessica Jones, don't tell me what to do. Uh, <laughs> Luke Cage has great black exploitation moments, great music. If you have time, check it out. Can we just talk about that last line? Great black exploitation <laughs> moments? I gotta say, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> what are you talking about? What does that mean? James, listen, man. I don't know you. I'm sure you're a nice guy. But I'm going to need you to write in again and clarify that. Because I'm a little lost right now. I think, yeah, the the problem there really lies in the word, doesn't yeah. it? <laughs> I think it's pretty bold. I think it's plain. I'm going to need very funny. I'm going to need clarification on that that bit right there. But thank you for writing in at any rate. Uh Great, great use of the genre, maybe. I don't know. Mm, well, let, don't Kale, don't dig a hole. Like, don't dig him out of the hole. Let him dig You're himself right. out of the hole. I don't want to put words in James's mouth. Yeah, it sounds like he's doing a great job. Yeah. Uh, Here, I'll read the uh, next all one. All right, I'll read the next one. You okay? Go ahead. This is from Harris Najinsky. The goal of the hand was extremely confusing. Getting the substance, or actually returning to Kunlun. I think the show would have been a lot better if there wasn't so many reveals or giving so much exposition to hold the viewer's hand. 
Weaver was a waste of a character, as aside from her political power, she is not a threat. Do some martial arts in the least! Portrayed as desperate and dying, why not show her to be vicious than being an overprivileged, long-lived trust fund baby who fears to get her hands dirty? Yeah. Anyone annoyed how easily they dispatch the opposing group against the hand, the, the chaste? It's, it's phrased that yeah. way. The mystery built up for that group throughout the Daredevil series just to be killed off off screen? Or killed off off screen? <laughs> so that's a, <laughs> that's a snippet of, of a comment we got from Harris. Thank you, Harris, on that episode. Um, Weaver is not her name. Her name is Alexandra Reed. Uh, so... We Weaver Sigourney Weaver. Oh, okay, right. That makes sense. My bad. I could. Sean, I, what? I couldn't think of. Um, I couldn't think of why he was saying Weaver there. Um, through some martial arts, I agree. We saw her do some stuff in the beginning, yeah. but then she didn't anymore. Very yeah. little. Yeah, uh, and she kind of died before like the fighting really ramped up. So yeah. that that sucked. Um, I I agree with the sentiment of this entire post actually. Uh, I think the goal of the hand was really confusing. Um, I, I, you know, we, we talked about it on our review. Yes, they were trying to get the substance, but they also talked about wanting to get back home. And that was just like, that was dropped. Um, in fact, I thought that's what they were trying to do. Like, I thought, I thought that's where they had to go to get the, to get the substance. Yeah. That, I, I forgot about that actually when we were talking about it, but, um, yeah. Any other commentary on his uh, message? Um, he was very upset about the lack of martial arts. I couldn't help but notice. Uh, yeah, I think I was too. All right, moving well, right along. Sorry. Well, and I think specifically from um, Sigourney Weaver, which I get. Uh, She's a very talented martial artist. Yeah, I would have loved to have seen her, you know, kick Daredevil's head in or something. Well, no, kicked Iron Fist's head in. That would have made me a lot happier. Yeah, that would have been cool. <laughs> like, a fight between her and Iron Fist would have been great. He's the protector of Kun Lun. He's the immortal Iron Fist. He told us every five minutes. <laughs> All right, here's a comment from Emily Coleman on episode 45, uh, our definitive ranking of the Marvel Netflix shows. Uh, on the topic of Ed Screen, I. Close enough. That's not how you say his name. Uh, and Hellboy, um, Emily says, it's about time. Fans can make all the noise they want about whitewashing, but nothing will change until the actors take a stand against it. Scarlett Johansson said in a Marie Claire interview, she never wanted to take the ghost in the shell role away from an Asian actor, but she did by not walking away from the project. Hollywood won't stop whitewashing until these actors take a stance and turn down roles in favor of a minority actor playing a minority role. Yeah, I agree. Um, this is a really good move uh, on Ed's part. Um, and it, I don't know, it, it, for Scarlett Johansson, uh, and the same with Matt Damon and um, Emma Stone in that one Hawaii movie, like, if you don't want to take an, a role away, don't take the role. Like, put your money where your mouth is. It's just a weird concept to me because it's like saying 
uh, the proletariat will never seize means of production until the working uh, until like the factory owner just willingly steps away from the factory. Like I don't th- I don't think most actors are going to turn down a lot of money for large IPs. You know. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, I I agree with that. And I <clears throat> I think it's and thank you for your comment, Emily. And I think that his heart is in the right place. Ed's heart is in the right place. And I think that yours is as well. But as I look at it, asking any actor to turn down, in some instances, in, in Scarlet's instance, millions of dollars uh, just to take a stand about an issue is tough. And it's easy for us to say what we would and wouldn't do when we're not in that situation, but no one's offering me millions. And if they were, I probably would take the role because I could use a million or two, or three. And even if you have millions, getting more millions is great. And we live in a capitalistic society that values that. And it doesn't make Scarlet a bad person. Uh, and I think it's, you know, you could judge her for that if you please, but I really don't think that it, it makes her a bad human being for wanting to make money um, and not not valuing this issue highly enough to turn down X millions of dollars. There is no means of ethical consumerism or consumption in late capitalism. <laughs> uh, carry on. Uh, all right. So the next uh, the next comment is uh, another one from Harris. Here's how he ranks the Marvel Netflix series. Uh, he has Iron Fist at number twelve. Uh, he says it gets a twelve, even though there aren't shows in between it's that bad um harris i would say uh it should get lower uh (laughs) number five uh is punisher uh he says it hasn't come out yet but it gets a temporary place here seems arbitrary but that's fine just preemptively above iron fist Yeah. yeah uh number four is daredevil no i'm sorry number four is defenders number three is luke cage number two is daredevil uh, and number one is Jessica Jones. Harris says, yeah, fight me. I think it is the strongest of them all. Okay. Uh, I don't know how Punisher is on this list. And I think Punisher will probably be better than the Defenders at least. Um, but uh, thanks for the comment. And I share your dislike of Iron Fist. Uh, finally, in our final uh, comment and potentially our favorite i think uh on our interview with uh keith giffen from uh wizard world 2017 in philadelphia uh denise Pereira writes excellent interview just drop the long intro the music is pretty annoying hey denise thanks for your comment oh we agree but also fuck off i see i thought you were gonna say that last part when you said, hey, Denise. So I was going to say, hey, we agree. And, you know. Um, uh, oh, boy. Yeah, thanks for the comment. Appreciate it. Uh, well, thanks for the compliment because it was my interview. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Good job, That's man. Pete's music, though. <laughs> Pete's music. Yeah, I'm sorry. I shouldn't. I did a verbal riff with my mouth before the interview, and I guess he didn't like that. <laughs> Uh, so thanks for writing in, pals. Um, I don't know, don't do it again. No, just kidding. Please write in all the time. Yeah. I don't care if you do or don't. That's rough. Oh, um, uh, yeah. Are we moving on? 
I was about to, yes. Okay, perfect. Uh, Marco has a random question of the week. Oh, yep, a random question of the week. Fire away. Uh, Marco says, we don't always talk about it, but what is your favorite comic of a certain genre outside of superheroes? Uh, in parentheses, he says, ew, superheroes. Uh, laughing emoji, sunglasses emoji, and flipping off emoji. Uh, pretty rude use of emojis, Marco. You're better than that. Uh, He's such a strange cartoon character. The three genres I'm interested in, I'm interested in, are below, and next to them are my favorite for each. Sci-fi, uh, profit, horror, Harrow County, romance, My Little Monster. And that, that was an, uh, extension of his, uh, email so all right so what are your favorite genres outside of superheroes and what are the what are your favorite comics in those genres um let's see marco's into romance comics that's not surprising. No. Doesn't he read Archie? I, is Archie a rom- technically a romance comic? Yeah, why not? I think it's more of like a slice of life comic. I would Although, say so. I guess now it could be more classified as a romance, but... Well, I've got an answer to this question. Let's go. What do you got for us? All right. So, for me, uh, it's crime. I really mm. like crime books. Uh, Velvet. Anything Ed Brubaker writes, pretty much. In that genre. Oh, I, I should have expected that. Yeah. Um, science fiction. So anything that Rick Remender has written over the last four years. Black science. Um, um, Low. Both of those books are huge for me. Uh, and then Lazarus as well by Greg Rucka. Um, which I guess if we're doing three for whatever reason... Uh, an extension of Lazarus would be uh, dystopian future. If that if that can mm. be considered a genre, I would include Lazarus in that. And then there are tons of other books you could throw in that. Tokyo Ghost by Rick Remender. There's just plenty of books you could throw there. So yeah. All I keep thinking of is Grant Morrison books like We Three, mm. the uh, book with the with the animals get cybernetic implants. Um. Invisibles, which is like a hyper sigil realized that's like a sensationalized version of Grant Morrison's life as the King Mob character. Wait, is Grant Morrison a genre? Yeah, I think it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, hey, listen, the three of us are the, are the Grant Morrison pals, so we could say whatever we want about him as long as it's positive. I think it's probably true, yeah. Unless one of us is Alan Moore, in which case we could say negative things about Grant Morrison. Alan Moore can say whatever he wants. I don't need your fucking permission, Sean. Thank you, sir. <laughs> now, may, bend I, over may I have another? I, <laughs> bend over, all three of you, as I paddle you with the paddle swath of Moore York. Right on. Uh, Alright, so I think mine... Ah, uh, man. I'm gonna go with what I'm feeling right now. That's fair. Um, I'm super into Kung Fu comics right now. Um, my favorite... Oh, oh, Iron Fist. I like Iron Fist. Yeah, comic book Iron Fist is phenomenal. No. Don't be an asshole. 
Um, <laughs> it's in his nature. Uh, my my favorite kung fu comic right now uh, is probably um, Infinite Kung Fu uh, by Kagan McLeod. Uh, it's a, a comic. Uh, it's a kung fu comic based in like you know ancient mythical China, um, and it um, involves like a zombie apocalypse. Um, it's amazing. Oh, it's so good. Um, also very into uh, Usagi Yojimbo. Uh, shout out to my cousin Chris who uh, you know pointed pointed uh, pointed me in that direction. Uh, always into kaiju kaiju stuff uh kaiju max being uh you know probably number one on that list and then i guess yeah i would say sci-fi or slice of life would be my number three um archie or like uh giant days giant days is very good um i'm also a big oh jughead of course big fan of jughead um and I, I don't know, you could probably lump sci-fi in with, uh, well, all of this, really. <laughs> uh, but the, kai, the kaiju stuff. Because um, I, was, I was literally just about to say, uh, <laughs> I was just about to say that uh, Kaiju Max is my favorite sci-fi book, so. Yeah. Um, oh, I want to underscore one more book, both sci-fi and horror, uh, Hellboy. Cool. Hellboy is infinitely my shit. Would you would you call it sci-fi or more horror? It's got sci-fi in it. It's like magic, horror, sci-fi. It's like a little all three. Okay, right now. Kale, are you... Like occult. Sorry? Yeah, I'm done. Well, that was it. I, that's all I got. I was going to ask you a question. Um, are you excited for the Shang-Chi uh, comic book that's coming out by CM Punk? I don't know who that CM Punk cool. is. Oh, the wrestler, former wrestler slash MMA fighter. Don't call him a wrestler. Uh, it's it's. He doesn't like it. Screw him. Uh, it's enough to get me to at least look at it. Uh, Shang Chi, I think, is a. Uh, uh, I would say he's a fairly neglected character as of late. Yeah. He's gotten one or two things. He had a, a mini series um, during Secret War. Uh, or the the battle world thing, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I, I, th- I feel like he had a series just before that as well, but I, I'm not positive of what it is. But uh, Kung Fu comics, I think, have taken other than like Iron Fist, have taken uh, a backseat to as far as like genre comics go. Um, so it'll be cool to see something happening. Uh, Did you read uh, Drax, the recent Drax run? No, that was written by CM Punk. Okay, I yeah, okay, I knew I knew about that. Yeah, it's supposed to be. Is it supposed to be good? I feel like I it was, all right. yeah, it was, it was solid. Skin. It was okay. Yeah. It was alright. Yeah. All right. Cool. Um. So thank you for the random question, Marco. Uh, and of course, if you guys at home want to uh, send us your random questions by yourselves or reader mail uh you can do so in all the ways we talked about earlier including writing to us at the comics pals at gmail.com now let's move on to our pals pulls for the week um from kale we've got corto maltese fable of venice and kaiju max season three number three do you have words for either of those uh 
No. Uh, Corto Maltese is another, you know, it's another uh, graphic novel of uh, the, you know, the uh, Hugo Pratt's lone World War I Navy soldier who just kind of goes around and does his own thing. Uh, I've described it as a World War I cowboy bebop. Uh, I, I read in the description this week that, uh, or the summary of the book, that it involves uh, Freemasons, occultists, and esoterists. So I'm uh, I'm pumped about that. Like that sounds awesome. Yeah, I agree. Hey, esoterists? Yes. <laughs> what the hell is that? I think it's an esoteric, but Terrorist. a group of them. Yeah. Read the book and find um, out. That yeah. sounds Grant yeah. Morrison-y. Yeah, I like it. Do you know who's writing that? Uh, Hugo Pratt. Uh, oh, okay. It's it's old Hugo Pratt work that they're putting out into the world again. Sweet. Um. And then from Phil, we've got Mr. Miracle number two and Vision's director's cut or Vision director's cut number four. Yeah, buddy. It's all about that Tom King. Yes. Um, I don't buy floppies, but I bought Mr. Miracle number one because Tom King and Mitch Gerard's is really one hell of a tandem. And I plan on buying issue two as well. I have uh, the first one featured prominently on my shelf is the dope shit. I saw a tweet from Mitch saying that like uh, a lot of retailers are selling out these Mr. Miracle issues and like the pre-order uh, requests are off the shelves, off the charts. Yeah. So good shit. Buy that book. And then Vision, Marvel, realizing they let a hunk of a man go <laughs> are just reprinting Vision with all the director's cut stuff. And uh, that book was fucking ill. Yes. <laughs> And the extra content is very cool, especially if you are a writer or an aspiring writer or whatever. If you, if you care about that level of uh, comic book creation, there's a lot there for you. Um, so definitely check that out. And then for me, uh, Dark Knight's Metal number two and Generations Captain Marvel and Captain Marvel. Uh, I'm really excited about this issue of Generations. I think most people... Probably were excited about this one, the Jean Grey one, and the Jean Grey one, um, and maybe a couple others. Some of them have been hit or miss, um, but because this one is featuring Marvel, who's been dead for a really long time, I mean, he's still going to be dead after this, but it's going to be cool to see him again. Um, I I read the Iron Man one; it wasn't very good. Yeah, you know the the the, the quality has been varying. Uh, the Jean Grey one was really good. I thought the Hulk one was solid. Greg Greg Pak, like you know, if you like the creator, yeah. you'll probably like it. You'll probably like the book. Um, Greg Pak is good with Hulk shit. Exactly, that's his wheelhouse. And then as far as Dark Knight's Metal number two, the first issue was good. Um, How do you like the cliffhanger at the end? Cool, man. Cool. I'm, I mean, I yeah. you know I don't want to spoil it because. But it's very good, and uh, I I like where they're going with this. Uh, so I'm excited for more. I'm, I'm, I like that Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo are doing more uh, weird shit. Yeah, yeah. Because they usually don't. Right. Like they don't. They don't stray too far from. I don't know. Their entire Batman run was grounded as far as a Batman book can be. I think. Yeah, and this gives you a, an idea of what their run could have been like if they loosened the reins a little bit. Um, and not that not that they needed to. I think this is cool. This is cool as its own yeah. thing. Um, 
So, yeah, definitely excited for that. Sean, I need to say something. Sure. Something that I never, um, I never expected I would say. Um, All right. You're keeping us in suspense. Yeah. And, 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 well, I need to, I need to brace myself because I really have to get this off my chest this week. Far away. Um, I was listening <clears throat> to uh, uh, our sister show, The Long Box Podcast, <clears throat> this week, and they were talking about Jean Grey number six. And it sounded pretty dope. Ooh, really? I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, I like uh, when you started talking about uh, the Jean Grey generations book it reminded me that as they were talking about it i went shit that sounds good all right that's spicy See, what's in the water over there right wow i never thought i would hear that yeah uh i just i'm gonna have to take a second we might have to pause the recording <laughs> i need to go collect myself i'm, I'm gonna have to go take like a, a shower and wash the shame off i'm gonna need a shower you too dude for a different reason, Ooh, though. <laughs> the logical ship here, I think, is not Sean and me. It's Kale and Sean. They've got the Katara and Zuko thing from Avatar. It's sounding more and more real as we go along with this episode, so maybe by the end I'll get on bended knee. Oh. On, on Brian Bendis's knee. Oh, <laughs> wow. That's <laughs> awful, dude. <laughs> No, see, you're not Kitty Pride, so. Oh. No. See, now I just want to do the news. Now I don't even. Now want to. I don't even want to do the news. Oh, you don't. You don't. All right, so we're. Well, let's just shut it down. Yeah, screw it. All right. Well, bye, everyone. That's this not was a short how one. we end the show. So, no. All right, as always, you can find me at Toto and Toe. T o t o t o t o. Oh man! <laughs> All right, let's let's uh, let's not do that. So, in the news this week, there's a lot of it, um, but I want to start with a question for you guys. When you think of the Joker origin movie concept, oh god, what's the first word that comes to your mind when you think about all this Joker stuff? What's the first word that comes to your mind? Fork hyphenate in for a hyphenate brain hyphenate I, my brain actually melted in the middle of explaining that fork uh, and brain brooklyn from that from that interview with that guy uh on uh, what was it howard stern he said it's gonna be dark it's gonna be you know it's gonna be dark and it's gonna be edgy it's, you know it's gonna be right. some brooklyn it's gonna be real it's going to be, be real. real. Set in Brooklyn. Right. Yeah, on the Joe Rogan show. Damage. Thank you. Thank you, <laughs> Phil. I knew I knew there was a funny gem in there, but you weren't getting it out. Oh. Damaged. Um, so Wait, for Phil, me. Phil, what are you, daddy's little monster? <laughs> <laughs> Boys. I think that Jared Leto hit the nail on the head when he was asked about the Joker origin movie, and he said. The following. I'm a little confused. I think that's the word, right? Like you could just you could use that word about the whole DCEU, right? Like confused. That's just 
That is the word. So thank you, Jared Leto, for providing that. Um, but he, the rest of the quote was a little, a little better. Um, he was at the launch of the video game Destiny Two, um, and he tried to be a good sport about you know the news about um, the fact that he won't be playing Joker in the Origin movie. Uh, he said, I love the Joker. He's a great character and really fun character to play. But it's a big universe, and when you play the Joker, there's no ownership there. You have the honor of holding the baton for a little while and then passing it off. There are other films that are in development, and I'm excited to see what comes from them. So, that's cool of him, you know. But I love the fact that he came out and said he was confused. Because I think he describes all of us when he says that. That's the Joker. Why so serious? <laughs> All he does is confuse us. His motivations don't make sense. He's uh, crazy smart in the kind of way that none of us can understand. He can see all the strings. You know, it's like we're all puppets, and he can see the strings. That reminded me of Age of Ultron, a much better movie than Suicide Squad. Ooh, but not by much. I don't know, man. I enjoyed Age of Ultron quite a bit. Oof. You were the only one. No, I was not the only one. I had a... I think I had a better time at Suicide Squad, honestly. I See, this is where we gotta just fight, dude. Like, come back to New York, because... So much for the marriage. Yeah, it's over now. If you, no, this is why people ship you. If you value... The original odd couple. If you value... Suicide Squad. Now hold on. I didn't say value. Okay. I. Okay. Uh-uh. Okay. Fine. Uh, I had uh, my opinion on the Suicide Squad movie has always been that I went, I saw it for free, and I had fun, but it wasn't. A, I I maintain that it was not a good movie. You know what? We actually agree one thousand percent. I had a blast at Suicide Squad. I think it's very fun. Um, But Age of Ultron is actually a lot better than that. The difference is that one of them won an Academy Award and the other one has James. (laughs) Stop. Don't even do that. Uh, We're actually just going to move right along because I don't even want to talk about that. Um so Justice League is probably at the bottom of a lot of people's. Um, it, like okay, most... it comes out. It comes out in two months now. Like it can't get much worse, right? <laughs> like what are we going to talk about next week? Like it can't. It you, can't be that, dude. You don't even know what we're about to much talk worse. about right now. Trust me, you don't. You have no clue. You're not homie, even ready for this. I, I don't know why I called you homie. I apologize. Why you apologize? <laughs> That's fine. That's great. <laughs> homie. Yeah, we're all we're homies. What's wrong with I that? I gather the news. I know what we're talking about. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, <laughs> it's at the bottom of a lot of people's most anticipated list for the year. Or so you would think. If you listen to this podcast, you would think so. Because everybody on this podcast is negative. But me and Phil. Even though Phil has betrayed his uh, natural sense of uh, goodness and turned to the dark side about this movie. Me. I'm the Joker. Oh, God. Me. I'm not giving up the ghost on this movie until it comes out. Um, but as it turns out, 
according to a poll uh, done by Entertainment Weekly, Justice League is the second most anticipated film for the fall, according to Fandango's most anticipated fall movie survey. The survey polled more than a thousand fans. Uh, Thor was the number one most anticipated movie. Uh, Blade Runner, Kings, Kingsman, The Golden Circle, and it rounded out the top five. So why not Star Wars? Sorry, is Star Wars considered a, full, a winter, winter? I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Does that come out this year? Yeah. Yeah. Oh shit! I'm hype. Episode eight. Uh, but on the subject. Justice League also fared well in some other categories. Uh, people are actually excited to see Ben Affleck as Batman again. I'd I'd love to see him for the first time. Feels like the first time. Um, and that was that was a different category. That was most anticipated actor. He came in number fifth on that one, and number one in that one was Gal Gadot. People want mm. to see her reprise her role as Wonder Woman. So yeah, definitely. I'll get behind it, that. Yeah, me too. I think this... Okay, so this caused me to question whether or not we just live in an echo chamber. And the reaction to this movie outside of the internet isn't actually as bad as we make it out to be. I kind of have the opposite reaction. So Fall is like generally purgatory for blockbuster films. Most blockbuster films don't come out in the fall. They come out in the winter or they come out in the summer for the most part. The fact that it's number two behind Thor and its competition is movies like It and I don't even remember the other two movies you named, I don't think is very flattering. A Justice League movie should be number one. That is a fair point. Yeah, sure. And the fact that Batman's, uh, uh, Ben Affleck's Batman is number five, I think is extremely unflattering. But, uh, I don't okay. know. Because how, how large is the sample size of an entertainment weekly poll? Who, how many people will probably read that? Probably uh, tens of thousands of readers, right? Well, the, it said that, that's probably, it said the poll was for a thousand people. Yeah. Uh, so that's a small ass sample size. I mean, it, it is admittedly a small sample size, but I just wonder if it reflects any truths about what moviegoers are actually looking for. And I think you make a good point about Justice League when it's coming out, the time frame. If you were talking about the summer, maybe it would have been number four or five. Um, mm. But they're ranked at all. The reason why I take a positive out of this is because the backlash has been so harsh. This is the worst talked about movie of, of the year. I, I mean, honestly, right? Like, the, the press behind this movie has been worse than any other movie that's come out this year. And yet, people are still excited enough about it for it to rank number two. I think that's good. Well, they spent a lot of money on publicity. Um, I think when you spend that much money on 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 trying to attract attention to a film you're going to get some positive feedback no matter what. Because it's it's in your face everywhere. Yeah, okay. I, I mean... This movie's probably getting more money <coughs> spent on its publicity campaign than any other movie of 2017. Maybe next to Star Wars. Yeah. But I, Star Wars doesn't spend a ton of money on publicity because they think it advertises itself. 
the last one only spent money on the two trailers and a couple TV spots. I don't know. I think people are excited about a Justice League movie, one way or the other. Um, you know, it hasn't come out yet. It hasn't. It, we don't know how bad it is. But I mean, even like the thought of a Justice League movie to me makes me excited. And then I remember, oh shit, it's this mess. <laughs> like you know, people were pumped about the Avengers. At like I and even Batman versus Superman. Yeah. I, I, but all signs pointed to good. Yeah. Well, I mean, for most people. Um. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. What? <laughs> uh, are, are you doing this to, show or are you? No, I'm asking. What all signs point to what being good? Justice League or Batman versus Superman? Um, to Avengers yeah. and BVS. You and you and I aside, respectively. Yeah, on like on the outset of BVS, the hype was very real until everybody mm-hmm. saw Doomsday. But mm-hmm. prior to that, You're right. like, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd been right. I'd been shut off on B- BVS since Man of Steel. But similarly, you hate the Avengers, so. I just think I, you know, I think I think this is it's one of those movies that people are just gonna be excited for. I think financially it'll do great. Of course, people are gonna go see it. It's the Justice League. I don't know. I I don't think it's gonna be. It'll good. do well. No, it, it, it's not gonna be a box office bomb. But I think it's gonna underperform to expectation, just like Batman vs Superman did. Uh. Okay, yeah, I, you know what? I, I think that's fair, and I think we'll talk about Justice League a lot more. So I'm comfortable leaving it at that, but I think that's fair. Um, Guys, it, hey. though, is supposed to be amazing. I, I want to see it so bad. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's out now? It is out now. It is out now. I want to check I'm, that out. Kingsman. But I'm in a... That's a comic I'm, book movie. I'm, in a, I'm um, in a different country, and I don't have their currency, so I'm going to have to figure that out. Well... The Kingsman's a comic book movie. It's based off a of Mark Millar book. The first one was fucking awesome. That's a great movie. Yeah, that's what I've heard. I'm very excited for the second one. Yeah, you know what? I never read the there book. There haven't been any news articles that have come our way, really, about that movie. It's kind of low-key as far as news is concerned. But the, I, Yeah, I feel yeah. like the first one was, too. Yeah, but it, but it got a lot of positive feedback, like what Phil said. So uh, maybe that's worth uh, checking out, and we should talk about that more than we do about things like Justice League. But I have a... Man, I'd be so down It ain't going to happen. Um, I have a question for you guys. Can you Again? see John Cena? No. Um, Who? John Cena. Only if he wants you to see him. Can you see John Cena as no. Shazam? Oh. Yeah. Yeah? I just want to say, probably 30, 40 episodes ago, I was like, when they make a Shazam movie, it should be John Cena as Shazam, and The Rock is Black Adam for thrice in a lifetime. You did say that, and I really hated that. Um, And I hate it now, too, that John Cena is being reported uh, by that hashtag show, who are the same people who reported recently uh, about... Uh, Sin Eater potentially being a villain on Daredevil season three, they're now saying that um, WB is zeroing in on an actor to play Shazam, and that 
John Cena from the WWE, um, and the an actor named uh, Joshua Sassy, um, are the front runners for this role. I I don't know what to think of that. I think it's a a cool little meta rivalry. You know, putting putting the Rock against John Cena in the in the DC films. It's not my preferred casting. Um, you know, I've said I'd like to have uh, John Hamm as Shazam, Captain Marvel, but I don't know. It's not bad. It's fun. I think it's fun. I think he would make it a fun, and that also uh, it does kind of add to the the wish fulfillment aspect to it. Yes, uh, it's fun. It's fun. My thing is, Can I ask you guys a yeah, question. Go ahead. Do you guys support the troops? I mean, yes. I I support them individually as a unit. I uh, I have a lot of. Then you won't want to miss <laughs> Super Slam, where John Cena will take on the Rocket a spit swap and make out match. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> I just murdered Sean. Uh, I knew where you were going as soon as you started that, and that is my favorite <laughs> prank call, or at least one of them, and I love that. So I'm glad we I, got that on this show. My girlfriend is going to get a kick out of that. I don't understand what just happened. That is great. Um. So, just real quick, uh, before we jump over, I I can't see John Cena as anything other than a wrestler. And so, for me, imagining him in this role is too hard. But I think Kale brought up a good point about the wish fulfillment element, and I think there's a way you can make that really cool. Uh, if they could, and this won't happen, I don't even know if this is a good idea, but I think it would be interesting if somehow... Billy Batson's favorite wrestler is John Cena. So when he turns into Shazam, mm. he becomes that. You know, like I. He's gonna make a wish. Yeah. Kid. I think that would, like, if this were a WWE Studios movie, I think that would be amazing. <laughs> um, that's not gonna happen. But I think that'd be really cool. And I think that's a good point, Kale. And if it was a WWE movie, Black Adam would be The Miz. Oh. You just took a decent idea and made it shit. Anytime you include the Miz. You know, you know it's true, though. That's what would happen. Yeah, you're right. Or they would pick The Rock to play Black Adam just because he's black. If they can get if him. They, they can't even he afford him. They'd have to get WWE Studios. They'd get our truth. <laughs> What's up? <laughs> oh, man. All right. This isn't the wrestling, I- pals. Kale's looking lost. <laughs> Uh, I, I bet these are funny jokes. Yeah, they're they're okay. Um, all right, so let's let's move on and talk about something that Kale does know a little something about. Let's talk about Thor Ragnarok. Oh, oh, yikes! <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about Thor Ragnarok because um, this is a movie that actually has some really good press. Uh, so embargoes are up. On set visits that uh, various different websites and uh, entertainment reporting groups um, 
got to visit the set of the movie, and they had a lot of really good things to say about it. Um, I want to highlight a conversation um, that Tom Hiddleston had with IGN, where he talked about the relationship between Loki and Thor. Um, so here's here's a, a quote from Tom Hiddleston himself. Uh, so he becomes the king of Asgard, and everything is great. It's a good party. But he failed to realize the threats that were just over the horizon, Hela being the biggest and most terrible one of all. Loki's feelings towards his family members are complex, and he never conceived, and this is Tom Hiddleston talking about the character, he never conceived of Loki's emotional connections to Odin or Thor as malevolent. He just wants to have a go on the throne, which he does. Um, and then Chris Hemsworth had this to say about the relationship. Uh, there's a feeling from Thor now that's just like, you know what, kid? Do what you want. You're a screw-up, so whatever. Do your thing. Uh, and now back to Hilston. The opposite of love is not hate, but indifference. So the idea that Thor might be indifferent to Loki is troubling for him, because that's a defining feature of his of his character. Um, I don't belong in the family. My brother doesn't love me. I hate my brother. And the idea, the idea that his brother's like, yeah, whatever, it's an interesting development. Um, so actually I'll read one last quote. That's kind of what I loved about Ragnarok when I first read it. The two of them are placed in such an extraordinary situation where everything is unfamiliar that their familiarity literally as family members becomes important. So the reason why I was so interested in this is because I feel like something was missing. An emotional through line was missing in the prior Thor films that it sounds like we're now going to get here. And they're tying Loki and Thor's relationship into that. Uh, I disagree. Okay. I feel like uh, Thor 1 and Thor 2 were pretty specifically about that emotional through line. Whether or or not it was handled well, eh, your mileage may vary, but um, I feel like that's, yeah, that's exactly what it was about. Well, that's that's what I'm talking about, right? Like, it sounds like they're expressing something that sounds like it's going to be really good, for as opposed to sorry, I was going to. Do you mean for this movie? Like, it, like yeah, this is this the movie. connecting thread for this movie? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Like, all I know is it's tough being Loki right now. I think of the new Taylor Swift song, "Fuck You, Loki." You'll never be James Bond. It's real hard being him right now. Man, that Taylor Swift song is bad. Ooh, it's bad. Uh, agreed. Anyway. The joke is that she dated t- Thomas Middle, uh, Thomas Hilston. <laughs> I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and that Thomas Hilston was trying to be James Bond. Um, so, Thor 2 actually really gripped me. Uh, most people probably don't remember that movie anymore. But Loki's quote-unquote sacrifice at the end of that I thought was pretty powerful. Mm. Um was it a sacrifice? Yeah, he he allegedly kills himself in order to help defeat um, Malk. What's his name again? Malekith. Oh, Malekith. Um, Doctor no. Who. Uh, and That's... then in the end, it, it turns out that he hadn't killed himself, and he actually takes over the throne of Asgard. That's what I remember. Right. I'm taking over the throne. <clears throat> right, right. But he he pretends to sacrifice himself, so everyone thinks Loki's dead. Um, that I liked. 
But where they were going to go, I had no clue. So now that we have an idea of the roadmap of the emotional story that they're going to be telling, I'm really excited about that. Yeah, it seems like some time is, uh, especially with Hiddleston, not Hiddleston, uh, 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 Thor's comments, Chris uh, Hemsworth, uh, especially with his comments, it really seems like, uh, you know, they're going to have some time pass where, I don't know, presumably the, the people of Asgard will know that it's Loki and, you know, they're just going to be like, all right, fine, whatever. Where's where's the two broke girls in all this? Like Kat, uh, Kat Dennings. Kat Dennings, uh, boy. There's a lot I can say about Kat Dennings. Uh, but... Is it about her chest? No. All right. Uh, this show is PG. We, we put all that other stuff, we front-loaded that, right? YouTube is watching. Stop it. Uh... Cat Dennings <laughs> will not make an appearance in this movie. Is that for the better? I don't think so. I think the Thor franchise is as tied to Cat Dennings as I'm tied to Phil. Hmm. Ooh. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah, and they got you Jeff. You're right. I'm not seeing this movie. No Cat Dennings. They got Jeff Goldblum now, so. That's, oh, that's true. a good point. I'm going to see this movie again. Yes. All right. Um. <laughs> Did either of you read any part of Jason Aaron's Thor run? No, sir. Yes, but I don't know what it was off the top of my head. Great. Awesome. That That uh, is a perfect segue into this next uh, topic, because we're going to talk about Hela's power set in the upcoming movie. Now, Hela in the comics, her powers are kind of esoteric uh, from... Comic to comic, she can somewhat do different things. <clears throat> and she's also extremely powerful. Uh, she can kill people with a touch sometimes. Uh, but in this movie, they really wanted to uh, bring her powers down a little bit into something that's understandable. And so they chose to take the villain, Gore, from the uh, Thor God of Thunder uh, run by Jason Aaron and Asada Beach. Um, and basically, Gore, what Gore can do is um, manifest weapons from like a like the infinite darkness or whatever. And so that's really interesting. And I'll read a quote from um, a producer on the film. A lot of the design of Hela is a combination of the early Jack Kirby stuff, but also, especially his power set, the villain Gore, who has a very specific power set of being able to manifest an infinite number of weapons. Uh, so they're basically taking that character and applying him to Hela. We are doing a version of that, not exactly, but a version of that for Hela in our movie. Because in the books, Hela can kind of touch people and they die. And sometimes she can do all sorts of different things. And we really try to specify and narrow it down into specific skill sets. So for me, as someone who did read that book, this kind of sucks. Because Gore is a fascinating character. Um, and I hate it when they kind of eliminate the possibility of characters existing in this way. Uh, he, he has a weapon that he found, basically, that allows him to do that. He's a regular mortal. He's a mortal being uh, who finds a weapon that allows him to kill gods. So he's Gore the God Killer. Uh, and I thought that would make a great villain for a future Thor movie. And now that's kind of eliminated because they're giving his power set to her. 
I mean, that's not a bad title for this movie, Hella the God Killer. God, uh, is that the God Butcher? God Butcher, thank you, sorry. Yeah, God Butcher. I think that's even better. Hella the God Butcher. That's pretty cool. Yeah. It's like it's like Frank the Butcher from uh, Gangs in New York. That's my <laughs> con- that's my connection, everyone. Thanks, Phil. Uh, and a Lewis in Thor Ragnarok. No thanks. No, yeah, pass. Uh, so Why? what? I don't the know. Best actor in Hollywood. Uh, I don't know. I don't know pass. About that. Yeah, pass. He is yeah, absolutely. Pass. Listeners, write in and tell Sean and Kale that they're out of their minds. Pass. The best actor in Hollywood? Yeah, he's the best actor alive. Nah, pass. He's got three Academy Awards for best actor. That, he's the only actor to have that distinction. Yeah, pass. Why don't we... In the, in the history of, of acting. Pass. Hey, Phil, pass. Ridiculous. Why don't we talk Ridiculous. about... Ridiculous. X-Force, the movie... Because apparently, Fox has hired Drew Goddard, uh, who obviously was the um, showrunner for Daredevil, season one, and kind of helped create that show and and birth that show. And then he also made um, the Cabin in the Woods movie. Isn't that correct? Yes. Drew Goddard wrote that. Yeah. Um, so he's got he's got some talent, uh, big time talent, and Fox has roped him in for this flick um i think that that and and again that's that's according to deadline a report from deadline i the reason why i wanted to talk about this is because deadpool has really changed the way that fox is approaching these movies now um they're so high on that character that now they're bringing in somebody in drew goddard who all the press about him is great He's coming off of Daredevil, which was great. Uh, he did The Martian also. Um, so he's got a lot of really good um, – he wrote it. He, he didn't direct it. He wrote it. Uh, he's got a lot of good vibes around him right now. And I think you bring in a guy like that when you want it to be good. Um, so getting him for this movie, for X-Force, pairing Cable and Deadpool for this movie – Two characters who are going to be through the roof by the time Deadpool two comes out. I think that's that's pretty clear. If Deadpool two does what Deadpool one did, it's going to be huge. Now, instead of focusing on the X Men, it feels like Deadpool and the X Force might kind of take over that like that that mainstream role almost. Um, I mean, Fox is doing good shit outside of like. X Men Apocalypse and maybe X Men Phoenix or whatever Dark Phoenix. So yeah, I mean, I really like uh, Daredevil season one is like the best superhero shit ever. So yeah, for me, uh, all the more reason to be enthusiastic about the X Force movie. He also uh, wrote the only ep- uh, wrote the only episode of Defender Defenders I liked, which was number six. Oh really? Yeah. Um. I, oh man, I didn't realize he'd written mm-hmm. one. Yeah, I started once I realized how much I didn't like it. I started paying attention to who was writing each episode to see if I liked any one better than the other. And I saw that he was on number six, and figured that was why I liked it the most. 
Are either of you guys fans of X Force in the comics? Yeah, read? not not particularly. Okay. I've read a lot of X Men stuff. I've never read uh, X Force though. Okay, I was just wondering what you guys thought about as far as what the team might look like. But well, probably gonna have uh, probably gonna have Deadpool. Is Psylocke on that team. Uh, yeah, she's been in the more recent incarnations. It'd be yeah. cool to have Olivia Munn back as Psylocke and actually give her a chance. That would be huge. Other than I, I totally she's not, agree. She's not really an actress, right? She's like a model. She's she's an actress. She's been an okay, actress. She was she was Psylocke in Apocalypse. Yeah. No, I know that, but like, isn't she more traditionally like just an uh, a model? No, she uh, she used to be on the G four shows, uh, Attack of the Show. Um, Way to go, Sean. And then I she transitioned. Yeah, I oh, love that man. That was my that was my Maybe stuff. Maybe we will um, get married then. <laughs> and then uh, she transitioned into acting and has been doing that ever since. Or at least trying to. She, yeah, she was on um, um, Newsroom, that HBO yeah. show yeah. with um, Jeff, uh, not Goldblum, but Jeff. Uh, no, the uh, Bridges. Bridges, thank you. Yep, absolutely. Uh, so I, I would like that. I would like to see Olivia Munn come back. I think that's a good one. Domino, she's she's going to be in Deadpool 2. I think that that would be a strong option to put in this movie. Is um, Negasonic Teenage Warhead one of them? <laughs> uh, that's from Grant Morrison's run. I don't think – no, I don't think she's a part of, of the X-Men. Okay, that might be a cool, uh, uh, a cool addition though because she was yeah, – uh, yeah. you know, she was such a, a big part of uh, – Deadpool one, it might be cool to to bring her in to tie it all together. Yeah, for sure. I, I gotta say this though, uh, and and then we you know we can move along. But I I wish that Fox put this much effort into making their X Men proper films. Good. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Well, most of the X Men proper films are great. So I just I don't understand how you feel that way. Wholly disagree. They're fucking awesome. Two of them are. Three of them are, if you count Logan as an X Men uh, film, which I do. Oh, I'm talking about well, I mean, like like the X Men team. Movies. Yeah, you got X One, X Two. Yeah, they're 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 four for, they're four for six. Uh, all right, we won't we won't dive into that argument, but the time will come where we will. Um, but that being said, I guess I guess I'm talking about the recent trend. Then if we if we can just ignore if we can if we can. Talk about what they've done for me lately. What they've done for me lately hasn't been so hot. And getting no, a, snagging someone like Drew Goddard for this recent stuff, that's a huge get. And I wish that they tried to get someone like that instead of Simon Kinberg, who hasn't directed a thing. You're right. It's their money. Uh, this next subject, this is, uh, this is, a, this is a tough one. Because... Um, there was a massive uh, document release, uh, release by WikiLeaks. Mm. You can see how I made that flub. Um, and we learned some information about the deal between Sony and Marvel, uh, the licensing agreement that allows them to use Spider-Man, and what they can and cannot do with the character. So I'm going to read a few of these, and we'll talk about um, what, what, according to Marvel and Sony makes Spider-Man uh, and the things that they're not allowed to do. So here's 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 what uh, the traits are of Spider-Man 
and what he cannot do. Uh, he is always male. He does not torture. He does not kill in defense of self or others. Does not use foul language beyond PG-13. Does not smoke tobacco. Does not sell or distribute illegal drugs. Does not abuse alcohol. Does not have sex before the age of 16. Does not have sex with anyone below the age of 16. And is not a homosexual. Unless Marvel has portrayed that alter ego as a homosexual. The Peter Parker character traits include... His full name is Peter Benjamin Parker. He is Caucasian and heterosexual. His parents become absent from his life during childhood. From the time his parents become absent, he is raised by Aunt May and Uncle Ben in New York City. He gains his powers while attending either middle school or college. He gains his powers from being bitten by a spider. He designs his first red and blue costume. The black costume is a symbiote and not designed by him. He is raised in a middle class household in Queens, New York. He attends or attended high school in Queens, and he attends or attended college in New York City. So, this is stuff that I could see people being pretty upset by because of two major factors. The fact that in order for Peter Parker to exist on screen currently, according to this licensing agreement, he has to be white and heterosexual. What do you guys think about that? Well, my real takeaway from this is the beginning, where it's all these very strange clauses where it's like, he doesn't have sex before the age of 16. So to me, it's like some sleazy director or producer came in and he's like, all right, I have this great idea for Spider-Man. He's sexually active preteen. And you're like, no, no, that's a terrible idea. Write that down to things that you can't do. <laughs> All right, I'll show myself the door. <laughs> Just shit like that. Like, the people coming up with these really bad ideas to the point where Sony and Marvel both would be like, what, what, no, that's a terrible fucking idea. Write that down as a do not do. This is just one of those things. It's it's very, very similar to our um, I don't know Marvel diversity problem um, arguments. You know, we talked about whether whether or not Doctor Strange should uh, you know be of an Asian descent. We talked about whether Iron Fist should be Asian. We've talked about you know we've 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 bounced a bunch of different things around. I think you guys talked about. Um, Oh, the the Ed Screen, um Hellboy thing, right? I th- I think for me, ultimately, it it, it closes the door. It, you know, as as an arguably straight white man, it closes the door for other stories to be told. You know, it takes the comics as gospel, and it, it you know, it if we don't see, if we don't, you know. There's no reason other than, you know, pure stubbornness that Spider-Man, that Peter Parker can't be a bisexual black kid in New York. Like, that's insane. Like, it's, it, that, that whole idea could mean so much to other people you know, to have that represented and, and they're just going to shut that down. Like, it's just, it's I, disgusting, really. 
Man, uh, well, you know if if Pete was here, he's too busy eating his unlimited breadsticks, but he'd have a lot of fire opinions on this subject. Yes, uh, Woody, I think I think he, I think he'd agree. I think so. I think I think he he would agree, but he would agree with fire. I think he would. Actually, no, I don't think he would agree. No, I don't think I don't think, I think he, would, he would agree up to the as long as Peter Parker isn't Miles Morales. <laughs> Maybe. See, for me. I mean, I, I disagree. Um, I I don't want to see Peter Parker not be exactly what he is. Um, but that's been my stance about things like this pretty much the entire time. Uh, I think there's maybe more wiggle room with Miles since he is a kid in the comics. And there's a lot of things they can do with him. But Peter's Peter. Well, you and think he's going to grow up and turn into a white guy? <laughs> he might you never know what happens man we live in a new world um i i think there's there's more wiggle room with miles and you can introduce him and make him those things uh and get that diversity and that representation but i think that for for a lot of people peter parker is spider-man and those people shouldn't not get that too I don't, and that, and that's always going to be my thing. The two. You mean? I think you can. You mean have, white Peter Parker is Spider Man? Is what you're saying? Um, Peter Parker as he's presented, and he's presented as white. So yes, I, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think the character is what he, what he is, uh, since his inception, and I, I don't think there's anything wrong with white people at all. Uh, the character is white, and that's that's just what it is. If you don't want Spider Man to be white, then it, Use Miles and make him that. Make Miles the Spider-Man for everybody else. And, and to be honest, I don't even think it's a it's a this is for them, this is for them. I love both characters. I celebrate both characters. And if both characters had movies, I go see them both. And that's the beauty of the two. And I think we're always so caught up in this is how it has to be, or there's nothing. And I just think that that is wrong-headed, man. Like, why can't we have both? I don't know. Yeah, it's. I mean, and and every time we've had this argument, I I I, I walk away unsure of how I feel about that. You know, um, because you know Peter Parker was created in the '60s. You know, by a group of white men. Uh, you know, who focused on. Uh, white men and you know that was their thing and it's only just now that we're getting to the point where things are changing but if you flash forward 32 years later this white character created by white men to reflect white problems affected this black kid uh who doesn't understand white problems that's the point i'm trying I think to make the i think the happy compromise is that miles morales exists and so you can easily do a story about a black Spider-Man or a Latino Spider-Man. Um, and I have no issues with Miles Morales taking Peter Parker's place. Mm. Yeah, no, and that's and you know I, mean? I I agree with that part of it. I also I really like Miles. I like the idea of Miles. I like you know, and I like Peter Parker. Um, I don't know, you know. There's, I think for us there's no easy answer i think i think this is one subject that the pals will probably always be at odds about i really do um 
yeah, because I don't know. I, I don't have an answer. It's a it's a hot button issue in comics. I mm. would say, I really would. Uh, and there are a lot of people who, like the pals, will never agree on this subject. Uh, and I do want to say, for clarity's sake, um, this article was actually written two years ago. Mm. Uh, it came around on our feed, and we picked it up. Um, but it is not something recent. Um, so what's in there may have changed, although I don't think so because it is a licensing agreement that may have been updated, but nothing in Spider-Man Homecoming gives me any impression that what's in here is not accurate up until this point. I uh, just wanted to make that clear. Um, Wait, Sean's black? <laughs> yeah, that was in the Sony hacked emails. You didn't know about that? <laughs> I didn't know that. Holy shit. 46 episodes in, and I'm only learning this now. They figured me out. They figured wow, me out. Wow, Sony, thanks for letting me know. Or WikiLeaks. WikiLeaks, there you go. So, I want to I wanna talk about Marvel's bad week. Because uh, Marvel, More like a bad year. <laughs> Marvel has had a really bad week, and it has been a, in a bad year, and that's the main topic of the show. Um... But let's start with their week. Because, first of all, the Marvel Inhumans IMAX experience situation uh, has come and gone. The ratings or the uh, gross is in, and it's gross. Uh, <laughs> they, they didn't do well. Um, it's being labeled, quote-unquote, soft um, in terms of how they, in terms of what they pulled it by variety um it pulled in 2.6 million dollars worldwide which is pretty bad that's pretty bad um and we know we we know that IMAX fun funded the season for for ABC and Marvel so IMAX covered the costs of this show um, well, I should say they shared costs with Disney. Uh, so, so <clears throat> Marvel's in the clear, ABC's in the clear in terms of the cost of this show. Uh, but this now causes and drives a wedge. And again, this is according to Variety, a wedge between ABC and Marvel because ABC doesn't like the fact that the show looks bad. ABC doesn't like the fact that the script is poor. And apparently, there's some some friction, um, and 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 not great feelings between them uh, regarding what happened here. And I think that you know we did the episode more recently about the Inhumans and why this looks so strange. I think we now have our answer. IMAX put money money down for this thing. Marvel and ABC didn't have money or didn't want to spend money, and so they just took what what was enough to make the show. And ran with that. That's the vibe that I get from this. Huh. Interesting. I like this kind of shit. I I I get a I get a cheap thrill out of seeing giant corporations get mad at each other in passive aggressive ways. Um, it's funny. I think it's uh very interesting, and I I like it too. On that front, um, it's sad though because. The Inhumans went from being a very promising film mm. 
to a show, to a show that we all know is shit in two years. And as you guys both know for sure, two years is not a ton of time in this world. In the world of film and television, to take something from a movie to a television show is a massive difference. That's a massive undertaking. So in two years, they cast it. They decided to make it a show. IMAX gave them the budget and paid for it with Disney. They shot it on IMAX cameras. They shot, whatever, 22 epi- 13 episodes. Two of them on IMAX cameras. And then shot the rest in two years. That That's why it's like this. You know what? All I have to say is get bent like Perlmutter. He's a big Trump supporter. <laughs> He's been a huge Inhumans guy. You can get bent. It's hilarious. He's the guy that's trying to squirt bottle on a uh, ketchup bottle on his hot dog, and he accidentally breaks the lid off, and the whole ketchup bottle squirts on his hot dog. And that is a euphemism. I don't know what I was supposed to get out of that, but I don't want to get it. Uh, yeah, and this whole I don't know the whole thing is weird. I don't know if we've addressed this, but the um, the Inhumans were featured on Agents of Shield. Yeah. It was like season, I don't know, three maybe. You know, the uh, uh, Chloe Bennett's character realizes she's an inhuman and she goes to the big inhuman camp. And there's, I mean, very, very little mention of Black Bolt and the inhuman kingdom. Uh, but it's there. And I think, I think that was going to be their big tie-in for the show, you know, for S.H.I.E.L.D. to be back in the cinematic universe so i think right it's just i don't know it's just it's this whole thing is just it's it's weird it's the weirdest thing that they've done it it really it really is and now that it's out and people have seen it and we know that it's bad or at least the first two episodes i don't want to i don't want to you know talk about the entire show we don't know how the, the whole show is but the first two episodes are bad and it's just, it's, it's it's sad. It's it's it sucks. As a fan of those characters, it sucks. In the grand scheme of things, obviously, it's not sad. But I wanted this to be good. Yeah, I think, like I said, they, they fucked over the X Men forever. Uh, they kept pushing in humans, and it just blew up in their face. The ketchup bottle squirt in their face. And I think it's funny. Yeah, I think I think this may be something that could damn the Inhumans as a franchise for some time. Because... Maybe. Yeah, I mean... It, I don't know I don't, I don't. know how much exposure it's gonna really get. Like, the Fantastic Four was a... Uh, they were three major movies that did poorly and were poorly received. I don't know how much Inhumans is really on people's radar. It might be like... It might honestly go down as like a trivia question one day. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was a TV show? But okay, but say that's the case though. Are you suggesting that they fade into the abyss, or that they just make a movie later and it's good and no one cares that the show happened? I mean, like I said, either could happen. Either I think are a likely scenario. A little bit of both. Yeah, like yeah, like I I like the Inhumans. Um, I think Black Bolt is a fascinating character, um, but not really on their own, right? Um. You know, uh, when, you know, Marvel decided to, they, what was it? It was the, um, when they had the big inhuman event that, um, Fraction was supposed to do. And they couldn't, 
make it work with Fraction for whatever reason, and they passed it on to Charles Sewell. And I think Jeff Lemire? Yes. Do you know what I'm talking about? I can't remember what event that yeah. was. It was called uh, Inhumans versus X-Men. That's what I thought I, th- you I think were it was just about. before that. Oh, Inhumanity. Okay, yeah. For me, that was just like, okay, I don't know. I, I, I've always been like, I've always been really, um, curious about what that would be and what Fraction's take on that was. But after he left it, I kind of backed away. Like, I, yeah, I just like, I'm not, I'm just not interested enough in the Inhumans by themselves to, uh, care about any of this really you know um i like lockjaw i like medusa i liked her in uh ff you know fractions uh ff with uh mike allred i don't know i could go on and on i guess but there's uh, there's nothing else to say this (laughs) this this whole thing can you know they'll get their 13 weeks of episodes and they'll get their 10 bucks and i don't they'll try something else I, unfortunately, I think you're in the you're you're probably in the majority. Like in terms of your opinion about the Inhumans, uh, don't get me wrong. There are Inhumans fans. I'm a I'm an Inhumans fan, but I think that more people probably are like, okay, what is this? You know, maybe I have a connection to one or two of these people mm-hmm. in some other book, or maybe I've never heard of them at all. But this doesn't look good, and. They don't have a great track record in the comics, so why do I care? Um, yeah. Too bad, so sad. Sad. So, things didn't end there for Marvel, um, as far as being pretty bad this week. Um, because comic shop owners don't want to buy the Marvel Legacy covers. So, Marvel Legacy is coming out uh, soon, um, and... They're going to release a bunch of lenticular covers for each issue. There's 53 issues of comics that are coming out, all with lenticular lenticular covers. And what makes this so bad, such a bad deal for these different comic book shops is that in order to get them, you have to order an obscene amount of comic books. So uh, The Hollywood Reporter... Uh, explains what I'm talking about um, in the following quote. Say you run a store and you regularly order 10 copies of Iron Man. Marvel will ask that you double your order in order to gain access to the lenticular covers. So if your regular 10 if your regular 10 customers all want the lenticular cover, then you'll have to order 30 copies in total. The original 10 regular covers, an additional 10 regular covers to hit the 200% sales level, and then another 10, because those 10 are your lenticular covers. That's that's a lot of comics. That's fucking insane. This, this sounds like that Marvel closing down, you know, when... Bendis came in and they were selling the filing cabinets bullshit. (laughs) Yeah, I was also thinking like uh, Heroes Are Born era Marvel. Um, Yeah, this is not a good look. And and the following is a quote from Brian Hibbs who owns two comic shops. If you get 225% of the one you can order the other, 
more desirable, more desirable version. But then you lose pretty much any demand for the regular edition in the first place, even if you can sell 300% or more of the fancy version. Literally, you are being asked to purchase comics you can't sell in order to gain access to comics you can, while a small handful of people are willing or able to buy multiple copies of the same insides. The largest majority of cons- cons- of customers, sorry, just want a single version to buy. That's a great point. Yeah, I would. Most people. I yeah. would never. Uh, like if, like one, for the most part, I, I can probably think of two instances I've gone to a comic shop looking for a specific cover. Um, but if a shop doesn't have it, I go somewhere else. Like, no, it's what's what's crazy. This is what Marvel did. 25 years ago when they were trying to... So, uh, there was a trend in the early 90s around the time of the Death of Superman story where people found out that comic books had financial value. And so a lot of collectors, not comic book collectors necessarily, but people that are generally interested in resale value were buying new comic books. And DC and particularly Marvel... We're selling these lenticular covers, these special covers to these, the, the special collector's editions of these new issues. However, when these collectors found out that these new issues didn't have any immediate value, they stopped buying them and it caused the industry to crash. That's essentially the sales tactics that Marvel's performing right now with these new lenticular covers. It's like a trading card game strategy, which is not typically sustainable in the long run. It's not, it's not even working here because, and, and look, this article, um, and we're, you know, we're going to link to it and everything like that. Um, it's filled with, um, people who work in the industry, retailers saying, listen, we're not going to have these or we're not going to have them all. And they're saying we can't buy this because there aren't enough people who come to our shops to buy comics that are going to buy multiple covers. Um, yeah, if you're a brick and mortar store owner, this jeopardizes your business. If you just buy a bunch of shit, no one's gonna buy. Right. And I I shop at Midtown Comics. Midtown Comics is pretty much Teflon, right? Uh, they've got a bunch of stores in New York. They're not going anywhere. They'll have every cover mm. because they can sustain it. But most comic book shops are not even doing close to the business that Midtown does. So why are you? Why are you trying to bury them? Does Marvel not know their business model and how it affects their retailers? I I just don't get it. It's not a direct well, the mar- like I can't I can't buy these directly from Marvel. There is a middleman. That middleman has to stay in business. The middleman can't stay in business if you do things like this. I I don't get it. Um but we're going to we're going to continue to talk about that, but we're going to talk about it in the context of our main topic, which is, is the world turning on Marvel? Uh, Marvel comic book sales are down this year from 2016's numbers. Uh, Secret Empire, which just ended with issue 10, uh, drastically underperformed and was met with heavy backlash from fans and critics alike based on its premise alone. Uh, retailers are outright refusing to buy the lenticular covers like what we just talked about. Uh, confidence in Marvel is nearly as low as it's ever been. Probably the only other time it's been this bad is what Phil was referencing, which was the Heroes Reborn era. 
Uh, and that leads to two obvious questions. Uh, is it, is it Marvel's time? Is Marvel's time as the unrivaled king of the comic book world at an end for now? Uh, and what can be done to right the ship? I mean, to answer the short term, their time at the top has been over for like a year. Like, DC has been out selling Marvel for the most part for the last, you know, like ever since um, DC Rebirth, which came at the same time as a lot of the backlash Marvel started to receive. Um, Long term wise, not necessarily. It's, it's, there's a lot of hyperbolic articles that are being made on clickbait websites about how this is the end of comic books. The end of Marvel. Disney's got to pull the plug on the public the publishing line. That's not gonna happen, I don't think. Um, um, they'll figure a way out of this. Um, DC did. DC got a ton of backlash for especially the New Fifty Two, and to a lesser extent DCU. And look what they did. Um, they just shuffled the chairs around. Marvel. They you know, they were in a really bad spot where they sold the film rights of the X Men, Spider Man, Hulk, a ton of Captain America. I think at one point, uh, and you know they came around. Like usually they get back in these corners because it's a niche industry, and when you feel the 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 cords tighten, like everyone feels it more than you would maybe in other in other industries. But I think they'll be fine. I think they'll figure out a way out of this. It 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 sort of reminds me of. Um you guys have been talking about it on the video game pals, uh, Sean, about the, the PlayStation and Xbox. I don't know. They call them the console wars, I guess. Yeah. You know, uh, you guys have said that PlayStation, uh, that Sony, uh, really, they were really riding the, the PlayStation two wave and they just right. kind of shat out the PlayStation three. And they were just like, well, whatever, you're going to buy it. And then, you know, the, was it was it the well then people just stopped they just didn't buy it right and then people yeah. you know Xbox took the lead with I mean even later sales of the 360 and the Xbox One well so the PS3 didn't do so hot in the beginning they worked and worked and worked on their image things got better then the PS4 came out. It stomped the Xbox One, mm. um, and all the goodwill was on Sony's side. They changed their tune. They lowered the price. They, you know, they did fifty million things to to improve the way they were being seen, and it worked. Um, I think the difference here, and this is this is like the this is why I want to have a really big conversation. The difference here is that we're not just talking about dollars and cents. We're talking about hearts and minds. Secret Empire did not underperform because it's bad. It didn't. That's a fact. The comic book is not bad. The story is not bad. The story is actually good. The story makes sense. Secret Empire underperformed because people don't like the idea of Captain America being a Nazi. That's all that people talk about. When they talk about Secret Empire, that Cap's a Nazi, that's a bad look based on where the world is right now. Um, people, and then there's the other side of the fence where people are saying, well, where's Iron Man? Why is he dead? Why is Thor bad? Why is, uh, why is Spider-Man black? Why is, you know, like, why is Wolverine not here? Right? There's so many things that people can point to before they even think about what's happening in the book 
that turns them off. Secret Empire actually did worse than Civil War II, which was the most obvious cash-in I've ever seen besides Justice League and Suicide Squad. Civil War II probably attracted more casual readers, though. Sure. These, that's what these events are built to do, though. And so this is, this is my thing, right? If events are built to drive in casual audiences, then Secret Empire is the worst event ever. Because it doesn't, it, it can't appeal to a casual audience in any way. Because no one will understand why Cap is a Nazi. And most people who do not have the backstory to that will not want to read it. I wouldn't want to read it if I hadn't read everything that came before. Everything you're describing, Sean, really sounds like New 52 and DCU era DC. And DCU and DC and the New 52 published a lot of good books. Uh, and they were being experimental. But you had the same types of people saying the same types of things. Why is Batman in a mech suit? Why is Superman in a t-shirt and jeans with like what looks like tattered... like? sheets on his fists why is he edgy looking um you have uh, why is lobo pretty and handsome now there's like all kinds of shit like that um where's wally west constantly that's not my wally for west. five years yeah it's because yeah because people want the familiarity they don't even read the books they just want things to be status quo and ultimately marvel probably is going to have to do the meat and potato approach to comics like DC did and go back to basics. You're right, but see, here's the deal, and this is what's concerning. First of all, let's add some numbers. I wish Marco was here. He's the numbers guy on this show, but he's not, so I'll have to do the job. He's too busy getting a breadstick shoved up his butt. Oh. Um, <laughs> comic book sales. He's going to get so sick. <laughs> Oh my god. He's gonna get sick from that? That's not where breadsticks go. A yeast infection. Oh, what? Offgarden has unlimited breadsticks. He's in Italy. Pete's probably helping somehow. Alright, alright. Wait, wait, wait. Let me take this back to... Okay, yep. Let me take this back to the uh, story Uh here. Comic book sales this year so far are down 8.69%. Okay, Uh, at least at the start of the year, it was Marvel that was dragging sales down because sales were up for DC and Image. Like the rest of the comic book world was up. Marvel was down. So Marvel not doing well is not a good thing for comics at all. It's a very bad thing for comics. And then, yeah. When, you, when half of the big two is failing, that's bad. Bad. Really bad. Absolutely um, atrocious. Um, and then Marvel, with all this bad press surrounding Secret Empire and Captain America, says, we're going to hold our ground. And some people commended them for that and some people didn't. But they started to shift the conversation. And you guys probably noticed this just doing the show. They started to shift the conversation away from Secret Empire and towards Marvel Legacy and Marvel Generations. Mm-hmm. We started reporting on those things and stopped talking about Secret Empire. At, like, issue two of Secret Empire. That I'm so glad you said that, Kale. Because if you go to Comicron, which is a, a fantastic website um, for 
looking at comic book sales, the top two selling issues of Secret Empire are zero and one. And every single issue after those two sold worse than the one that came before. So Secret Empire 2 was the 28th best-selling book at Marvel. Uh, while Secret Empire 0 and 1 were 6 and 7, respective, respectively. Secret Empire number 7 was the 49th best-selling comic for Marvel this year. 49th. My question, my question is that how, how steep is the decline in sale from each issue of the book? Well, uh, okay. So if you want to look at it on that level, then we'll, we'll do that. So, and, and I'm just going to talk about like the placement in this list rather than the units sold because that can get murky. Um, I'm kind of curious about the units sold though right. because I'm, this is my, let me give you my like thesis here. Your, I don't your know if it's true or not. It's, yeah, my hypothesis. I'm just wondering if people stop liking the book. Well, all right. So, because if each issue is declining, that means people that were reading it stopped reading it. That's true, but there are a lot of reasons for that, right? Like, you could understand why the first two issues would do this well. The zero issue and the first issue. 162,000 yeah. units sold and 157,000 units sold, respectively. That that makes sense um, because they're the first two. So, people check it out, right? And then you imagine, all right, there's probably going to be some drop-off. Here's the drop-off. 157,000 on issue one, 100,000 on issue two. Hmm. That's well, people were really massive. pissed about the reveal at the end of issue one. Sorry? I said people must have been really pissed at the reveal at the end of issue one. That was... that was a, The end of issue one was Hail Hydra, right? That was zero. No, no. No, the, oh, no, zero. no, 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 no. That happened in in an issue of Captain America from last year. That was Captain oh, America number one from last year. No, I see, I see. We've known he's been... This is the culmination. We've known he's been Hydra forever. The, I see. Yeah. This is, this is people who come in with no knowledge because of hype and just buy the book. That's what right, right, right. that's what those initial sales were. The sales, the drop is because people don't understand what's happening. They don't like that he's Hydra. They don't know where Iron Man is. They don't understand why Thor is bad. It's all the stuff that I that I had previously mentioned. Well, that causes people. Also, Go ahead. I, I, sorry, sorry to interrupt. I know I I know you are making a point, but I I I, I also want to point out that number twos always drop like that. Sure, but we're talking about we're talking about an event right now. You know, like. A drop off that steep for a comic book event? I don't understand it. And especially when you're talking about Civil War was off. Civil War 2. Civil War 2 was really bad. The first two issues weren't even good. The Zero issue was probably the only really good issue of that book. And it outsold and outpaced Secret Empire. And I think you're right when you say, well, the name, C- Civil War, that's, that's name value. But quality matters too and i just don't i don't know that that's enough to explain this to explain secret empire number seven being outsold by a random issue of batman every random issue of batman that came out this year well that in 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 that series defense the batman single issues are always in the top five in the monthly sales 
okay, U.S. Avengers number one. What I don't even know what that is. <laughs> yeah, you know, Astonishing X Men number one. Like, is that a big deal? Uh, it's just flat Flash. The 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 lenticular editions. The the button issues of Batman and Flash. Wipe the floor with every issue of Secret Empire. Did you see that lenticular Flash cover though? That was fucking hot. hot. I I bought I bought I bought two copies. Yeah. I bought the regular one and the lenticular yeah. one for every issue. They're hot, absolutely. But come on, man. And 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 I don't want to make this just a Secret Empire conversation because that's not the only thing we're talking about. When you look at Marvel Legacy, right, and you're talking about. Something that's supposed to bring back the core audience? No one cares. Well, and they really tried to sell Generation as like a return to what came before, right? Right. But all it seems like it's turning out to be is a time travel experiment. Am I wrong? Okay. So the the problem with Marvel Generations is that it, it's – it's fluff. It's absolutely meaningless. Yeah. So it's it's not even time travel. It's like displacement. Yeah. And it's what happens. We don't even know if what happens there matters. It doesn't seem like it really does. Um, it, there's It's completely inconsequential for the old version of the character. Mm. So like Jean Grey from the current timeline meets the past Jean Grey. They're not going to – like. Jean Grey's not coming back to life. Right. So what happens with her, that half of the story is irrelevant. So they're selling you on something that's meaningless. And when it when it was first announced, it sounded like it was going to be this amazing thing that was going to be this reuniting of these characters that was going to change the game. And it's not that. It's not. It's fluff. If you like the individual issues, great. But you don't have to read them. And, and then... Marvel Legacy is supposed to bring things back to square one, but it follows directly based on what just happened with Secret Empire. And then the the lenticular covers that, that they're trying to sell, uh, they're stupid. They're dumb. They're taking covers from gold, the golden age of comics and putting the new characters on them. Well, Who does that appeal well, to? Well, and also – um, I put this in our, you know, our, our news collection feed. Um, I don't know if you saw it, but, uh, the comic store Big Bang Comics posted on Twitter, uh, Marvel Legacy's, like, uh, s- you know, s- schedule for fall of 2016. And the, the byline of it is every series is an event. Well, actually, uh, Kale, I have that I have that whole thread open right now, and I was about to reference it, so I'm glad you took us oh, there. Oh, great. Well, let, let me um, just say this. Uh, go ahead. Every series is an event, so n- none of them are. Yeah. This is the thing. Saying every series is an event is the worst thing you could say in 2017, because all they're really saying is, this is the jumping on point for these books. Mm. We're trying to tell big stories with these books. We want to make sure that these stories are important so that you buy them. And what I just told you is an earnest version of what they're saying. The word event means something bad right now. So don't say that. But Marvel's head is so far up its own ass that they don't get that. And so we're talking about um, Big Bang Comics. And and I, I do want to reference... Um, 
this this thread on Twitter, which we'll link to. Um, and, you know, they just have some interesting sales things that I wanted to reference. And again, this is one comic shop, right? Um, but their top 10, their top 10 books the week of, uh, 2017 right? So that's just a couple weeks ago. The number one selling book was The Flash. The number two selling book was Detective Comics. Number three was Nightwing The New Order. Number four was Secret Empire number nine. It got beat by a random issue of Detective Comics. You know, that's not, that's not good. That's not a good sign. No, no, not at all. Detective Comics is the B book. Yeah, it, it, it is. It absolutely is. Um, and then the week the 10th issue of Secret Empire came out, the last issue, it got beat. It got beat by Deadpool 35. For this. No, that seems. Go ahead. That seems like a meme. Right. For this particular comic book store, Secret Empire number 10 was the sixth best selling comic of that week, beaten by Generations Hawkeye and Hawkeye. Why? Do you think this is going to hurt Nick Spencer's career as a sidebar? Actually, Big Bang Comics has something to say about that. Um, I'll just read the, the, the I'll just read from the thread. We know there's an Omega issue. You'll love this, Phil. Uh, we know there's an Omega issue still to come out, but we only care for one Omega here in these parts. And he links to a GIF of Kenny Omega. Hell uh, yeah! Yeah, and then Omega He's Red. He's the elite baby. Yep. Then Omega Red, and then uh, Kid Omega. And then he says, yep. Secret Empire's numbers were merely, merely okay. It sold less than half of Civil War II, and that wasn't a great Marvel event for us anyway. By the end, Secret Empire sells less than, say, X-Men Gold. Even worse, it actively made people drop tie-ins to the series. Sales on Ooh. Captain America, both, both Captain America, Steve Rogers and Sam, Steve Rogers and Sam Wilson, kept dropping through this too it actually went as far as to kill sales on nick spencer's other comics it's frankly something we've never seen before we've we've seen comics be poorly received or ignored but to have such a wide-ranging effect that takes something special and it seems like marvel seemed to stop pushing it from early days they focused entirely on building buzz for legacy and let secret empire die the entire thing was frankly bizarre, and in the end got nowhere, especially since the publisher announced ages ago that the classic Captain America was back in a comic with a new creative team. The entire climax was rendered pointless by Marvel themselves. And then there was a big thing done out of Generation spinning out of Secret Empire, and it was one panel? The story itself is was what it was. Back in the day, this is referring to uh, Secret Empire. Back in the day, it might have been a line-wide event done in the annuals like Atlantis Attacks, but it was pushed as an event, as something that matters, and the readers weren't in it from day one. They are tired, and the few readers that stuck with it got awarded with nothing, because the event wasn't just an event. It was it, The event just was an event. It was a cap story blown up. It was disappointing series sales-wise, and I hope Marvel learns something from this going forward. Civil War II was a cash-in. Secret Empire was whatever it was. Surely going forward, they'll learn not to event everything. And then, at the end of that, he links the big um, Marvel uh, picture showing Marvel Legacy and, and the words, every series is an event. Wow. Everything's important. Don't miss anything. And uh, no thanks. I think that this uh, Big Bang Comics Twitter thread, 
and I'm saying he, I don't know if it's a he, I'm just referring to the person who was putting up these tweets. Um, this sums up the whole conversation surrounding Marvel right now. It's, yeah. It's bad. Retailers don't want to buy the lenticular covers. Civil uh, Secret Empire underperformed majorly. And the word of mouth is awful. And this is not good for anybody. This isn't good for the yeah. for the person who wrote this. This is awful for the person who wrote this. I have a theory, a conspiracy, if you will. Go. Nick Spencer is actually part of Hydra, contracted through DC Comics to destroy Marvel. I don't like your theory. I mean, yeah, it's a shitty theory. Yeah, thank you. Um, it's a conspiracy theory. It is what it is. It's shit. So, um, uh, also I. Didn't uh there was like a USA Today article or something that also like basic that basically amounted to uh oh guys don't worry Captain America's coming back yeah like like exactly. at like and when like issue seven came back around or something not even it was it, that happened before Secret Empire even launched Oof. I I think and 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 listen guys I could talk about this for another hour. Uh, because I, I really am passionate about this subject because I love Marvel and it, it sucks to see this. Yeah. But they shot themselves in the foot. Big Bang Comics on Twitter is totally right. They didn't even give Nick Spencer the opportunity to tell his story before they told you and showed you. They didn't even just tell you. <clears throat> they showed you what Captain America was going to look like. Yeah. They showed you the creative team. They told you exactly what the story was going to be about, and he was still bad in Secret Empire. He hadn't even turned. Well, and... So, there... <laughs> go ahead. One, one thing that, like, always cracked me up about it is when... um, um, I, th- I think it was around... It must have been around the time of uh, Cap's famous Hail Hydra issue... Um, they showed it to Chris Evans, who I guess happened to be in the Marvel offices, and he was reading it, and he just was like, no. <laughs> like, he just looked upset. Yeah. Um, this tale harkens to a very famous story. Gather around, listeners, because it's time for story time with Phil Casey. Once upon a time in the WCW, oh there was a Here big angle they pushed with a character named The Shockmaster. As it turned out, the Shockmaster was just an overweight wrestler with a purple bedazzled Stormtrooper helmet, and upon his pyro-laden introduction, he tripped and fell, his helmet fell off, and that was the end of the Shockmaster before he could even get started. And that's what happened here with Marvel and Secret Empire. It is the Shockmaster. I, I, I appreciate your attempt at a, at a correlation between one of the worst... Uh, character debuts in history and what's going on with Secret Empire but I disagree on the face that Shockmaster was never going to be good Secret Empire is good it's not not the problem the problem is the word of mouth the problem is how Marvel handled it well and uh, to compound on that like you and Marco both read uh, America right yeah did you like it I can't remember no, I thought it was awful. I sp- yeah, I specifically remember Marco uh, didn't like it because he said that it felt pandering. Uh, it felt like they weren't writing America as a character. They were writing America 
as a Latina. As a Latina who had every single stereotype embedded in her personality. They, they were writing a Latina that happened to be America, but not America as a Latina. Does it make more sense? Similar uh, to similar to what I've heard about uh, this the the recent Iceman comic, they're writing a gay man as Iceman versus Iceman as a gay man, and they're, they're cashing saying. in yeah, on that, that makes sense that um, that idea and that oh he's gay yeah more than they're focusing on the character, and I was really surprised sure. to hear that from. Uh, people that aren't us i guess uh because i i i i meant i i think i mentioned at some point uh a, a comic shop opened uh down the road from me um and they have uh uh little uh, just small uh like writers panels um on the weekdays and and they were filming it and i happened to catch it at this point and i was really surprised that like a a, a young latino woman said yeah, it was just it was pandering, and I feel the same way about Iceman. Yeah, I mean it was it was schlocky, right? And I don't want to disparage the writer on, on any level. I'm sure she tried her best. Mm. And 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 by the way, the writer Gabby Rivera is Hispanic. She is Latina, so she's giving her world. Yeah, and in and that book, similarly, Sina Grace is a gay man, right? So he's putting himself into that book. So. That, that's like that's um I don't know that's like a whole other can of worms right but it but it but it fits into this wheelhouse of man nothing that Marvel's trying to do is good they tried to put Gabby Rivera on a book about a, a Hispanic girl and it backfired because Hispanics don't like it they tried to put a ice um a, a gay man on a book about iceman who is now gay and it backfired because because gay people don't like it right? And and by the way, I don't know that all people of either grouping feel that right. way. I'm just saying that the narrative hasn't been the best. And I, I said this to you guys uh, after I finished. No, I didn't even finish when I got the uh, the champions trade. That was the first Marvel trade I think I think I'd bought in a while. Uh, you know, Mark Wade was on the team, and when that first issue came out, I think I talked about it in. Um, you know the very first issue in like our very first episode uh i thought it was great but then i read the trade and it was just it it was that it was completely pandering uh the 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 two uh you know the two teenage girls uh wanted didn't want to make out to titillate the boys and and the black kid knows a kanye lyric and the asian kid's good at math and it's like what it's lazy writing and I don't know who that's on. You know, yeah. I don't know who yeah. who it's on that America came out the way it did. Because Marvel, you would think, okay, hey, Marvel put their best foot forward. But when the book comes out the way it does, and Hispanics feel how they do, who's getting blamed? Not Gabby Rivera. She's a superstar. People were hyped that she was writing this book. The only person who's going to get blamed is Marvel. All the headlines are going to be Marvel uh, panners to Hispanic audiences. Mm. Um, but before we wrap this up, I I, I want to try to end on a positive note. What do you guys think Marvel has to do to bring people back into the fold and win audiences over again? 
Is it even possible right now? Like I said, we're going to do the old DC meat and potatoes approach. I think that's what it's going to take. They got the rebrand, kind of. Do you do, have you been following Marvel Legacy enough to say whether or not you think this is what will do it? I don't. I don't know. I haven't really been following it. Maybe no. I don't think so because I think this has been more of an attempt to push the narrative further because it's more like <laughs> yeah. Phil, Phil new- sorry, Phil. Phil stood up and went to go answer the door to our conversation, and he he doesn't even know what hap- what's been happening, and he knows. That's like, true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, someone was at my door. I had to acknowledge it, but um, yeah, I mean, it, it feels like they're pushing the narrative of like these are our new characters, which push them, which I don't think is a bad thing to do. Like, I mean, I, I've said this on the show before, but I like it when comic books push new ideas, even if they're slightly derivative. Like, at least you're pushing the status quo. Um, but it feels like more like um, another wrestling analogy when. Roman Reigns won the Royal Rumble and they had The Rock come in and hold his hand up. See, it'd be like, see, he's friends with The Rock. And everyone still booed. That's kind of what this event feels like. It's like, see, these are all the old characters you like. They're with the new characters. And we'll see how that turns out, but it feels like, it feels gimmicky. Uh, it, it, it feels like for Marvel to get good in good graces with, you know, your meat and potatoes comic book fans are got to go back to meat and potatoes with and rebrand as like you know DC Rebirth something like that well, basically basically copy DC and to to sort of follow the meat and potatoes analogy like if if say it like the event is like a, uh, a a steak dinner you know at a really expensive restaurant like you can't function on an event every every issue because that's gonna get expensive that's gonna get you know, I don't. Now my analogy is getting mixed up, but like it's all just—it's all gonna mix together, and nobody's gonna pay attention because everything's important, so nothing's important. And the truth is, it really is hard not to get caught up in the narrative because the way Sean phrased it in the beginning, it is everyone turning on Marvel, and even in our own private chat throughout the week. You know, we get caught up in Marvel bashing, and it, we occasionally have to be pulled back and say, like, the books aren't necessarily bad. It's just they have really bad mm. press. Marvel has really bad press. And honestly, like, I, you know, not to harp on this, but, like, writers like Dan Slott and Nick Spencer aren't helping that, you know? Or Brian Michael Bendis. He, I mean, he's a loved person, but his books people i think kale's talking about those those individuals as people beyond their books uh you know specifically on twitter and and you know frankly like the the lying that's gone on you know from editors you know like uh uh, what was it Uh, i i know for a fact i think it was the brevert uh you know blatantly said no peter parker will never come back and then like you know, there have been several uh, editors recently who have said, you know, just awful things. I don't know. That's I guess I shouldn't say that because I can't back that up. But. <laughs> uh, but but no, there was the whole there was the whole beef around the Marvel sales vice president mm-hmm. saying that mm-hmm. diversity was the problem there. Look, it's been a bad year. 
everyone can acknowledge that. It's been a bad year. The press is bad. Marvel ha- themselves have put them in this position. I am the biggest Marvel defender, okay? Uh-huh. And I will not say that they didn't dig themselves this hole. I won't say it. But I will say this. Marvel is trying to give you what Marvel thinks you want. People said, we want new characters. We want more diversity. Marvel gave it to you. Marvel took away Wolverine, Iron Man, Thor, Bruce Banner, and replaced them with characters who are diverse. With characters who don't wait, characters who don't Mm -hmm. look like everyone else. And then the narrative was Marvel doesn't care about its core base. Marvel is pandering. So, so then, this wait, is where, wait, sorry, wait. I keep interrupting you. I know, I'm sorry. So then Marvel said, we're going to try different things. So they gave us a story that's different. Civil War II was more of the same. They said, let's try something else. They gave us Secret Empire. Nobody wants that either. So now Marvel's saying, all right, we'll give you everything. We'll put every character together with every character. And people say what Kale said before, which is it just feels like, or I think what Phil said, actually, it just feels like you're trying to throw them together to say, hey, look at this. Everybody's cool. Uh, So it almost feels like there's nothing Marvel can do to win because they've tried and tried. The stories are still there. They're still good. But no one wants to hear what Marvel has to say right now. I, I, yeah. And, and I think there's a difference between they're trying to give you what you want and delivering on that. You know, I would like to give Phil a good birthday cake, but if I give him, you know, a flattened piece of undercooked garbage, that's not really a birthday cake. So, so the thing is, we've talked about this before. The people that are clamoring for more racial, gender, and sexual diversity in comics, I don't think are the same people who are now clamoring for Marvel to go back to the meat and potatoes. Um, I think those are two distinct groups in 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 the community. Um. And I think DC has done a good job of finding a way to balance both. I think I think I think it's pro. I have nothing to of substantial. This is just my my interpretation is that there's probably more people of the comic book community that buy and read comics that like the meat and potato stuff. So the majority of DC, at, at least a majority of their publishing line is being interpreted as meat and potato stuff, but they're still pro- producing and publishing books that promote racial gender, sexual diversity that would appeal to the LGBTQ plus community. Um, whereas I don't get that impression from, I mean, that's, I mean, Marvel doesn't have that balance right now, or at least they don't have the reputation for having that balance right now. Thank you. That What you just said right now, that last part, is accurate. The balance is present, but no one cares that it's present. Look at, so look they have at, to find a way to market it. Look at the difference between what people say about DC and their balance and what people say about Marvel and their balance. They have the exact same number of LGBTQ comic books being published right now. One, Batwoman, Iceman, right? Um, most of the characters uh, that DC has are 
or the the main characters are old. Um, for Marvel, I would say probably most of the books are are feature feature the younger characters, the more diverse characters, but the older characters are either present on some level or are altered on some level, but still have their own title. So it's all essentially the same, but Marvel, no one wants to hear that. No one, no one sees it that way. And I think that kind of is, is what matters here. Um, and, and, and as far as what Marvel can do to fix things, and then we'll wrap up. Um, I think, I think that they probably just have to say, look, we screwed the pooch. Stop talking about events. Stop doing events for a little while. Don't talk about whatever the next event is going to be for some time. Let Marvel Legacy be what it is. Be low-key. Tell good stories. And just coast on the stories. Lay low. Uh, Trust in your creators that are super talented to drive the narrative of the Marvel Universe. Stop talking. Stop talking. Marvel talked too much in 2017. Stop talking. Tell stories that are good. Treat your creators with respect. Don't give them a reason to go elsewhere and say bad things. Um, and then when the narrative changes, that's when you come out with whatever the next event is going to be. That has to come from the stories you're telling in the books, but also be something that anyone can read. Once you do that, I think Marvel takes their place back. One final thing. I got a better idea. Go ahead. All right, Marvel, listen up. You're going to hire Sean to be part of your executive board community and direction of the company. I'm here. You're going to hire Marco in analytics. You're going to hire Pete in marketing. You're going to put Kale in your bullpen of writers. And you're going to make me the face of the company. And what do we call it? Marvel. The Marvel Pals. The Marvel Pals. I'd listen to that podcast. Only in those specific I'm circumstances, though. Podcast. Oh, okay. Uh, all right. Yeah, so all I think- right. Well, all five of us could still be the comics Marvel pals and be on the payroll. We would just be shills. I mean, as long as we're on the payroll. I'd love to be a yeah. shill for Marvel. Yeah. yeah, as long as we're on the payroll. Uh, that's going to do it for that conversation. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed it. Uh, I certainly did. Um, and obviously, Marvel has a lot of work to do going forward. Um before we jump out of here, do you want to tell you guys where you can respond to that conversation and keep the conversation going and flowing beyond this episode? You can hit us up on iTunes. When you do leave your comment, you can absolutely leave us a rating as well um, and find us on all other podcast hosting platforms. You can reach out to us on social media where we are at the Comics Pals all over the place. We are active there and eager to talk to you there if you reach out to us on youtube where a lot of you guys love to uh, send your comments our way that's a perfectly fine way to reach out to us and we obviously read those comments on the air which we did earlier in the show um gmail you can write to us at the comics pals at gmail.com and uh last but not least certainly do listen to the video game pals this week uh i don't know what it's going to be uh hopefully it's going to be fun because I'll be there. And future me, have a good time. Let's do some plugs. Kale. All right, guys. Thanks again for listening to the Comics Pals. Uh, have you guys ever noticed how Pete does that? He always just... Yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah. weird. Uh, anyway, 
thanks again uh so pete's plugs you can always find him on loud underscore pete on twitter and i believe instagram uh he's he's uh the host of the video game pals um so listen to that read my articles on cbr oh and he i believe is still on the payroll at cbr so go click on his articles a couple times and eat at the Olive Garden. And uh, he's a real big fan of Fazoli's, I've heard. I don't know if that's true. I have to have to look that up. Hey, Paisan. Uh As for me, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Toto Into. That's T-O-T-O-I-N-T-O-W. Um, the uh, panel's crew will actually be at uh, Thought Bubble uh, on September 23rd. So if uh, for some reason we have uh, listeners in the UK... Actually, I think we do. I think we have a couple. That'd be rad. Uh, speak up, you UK listeners. Uh, panels will be at Thought Bubble. Please buy Letty and Nathan's stuff. Uh, Cosmic number four and Sosmonaut the Cosmonaut number three uh, will be uh, premiering at Thought Bubble. Um, very excited about that. Uh, and one more thing. Uh, uh, friend of the show, Nick Webster, uh if you're a football fan, is the host of uh, The Redskins Hangover. Uh, it's a, a football podcast all about the uh, pre uh, the previous day's uh, Redskins football game. Uh, a new season of football is coming up, and um, so that means they the boys are already tired. Fun. Uh, Phil? Um, I'm on Cyborg. Bebop on both Twitter and Instagram. Go ahead and follow me. I have pictures of cats and me doing cool things. Marco? Uh, uh, hi, guys. Uh, I'm, I'm Marco. Uh, you can find me at, uh, at Woe is Marco on Twitter. Uh, Woe is Marco underscore. Uh, find a swamp thing in your local toilet and uh, make sure and say hi. <laughs> uh, okay, thanks a lot, guys. Great episode. <laughs> Thanks, Marco. <laughs> Thanks, Marco. That uh, that was uh, cool that he called in from from Italy to to make that to make that. I thought he was in Kazakhstan or some shit like or some that. shit like that. Yeah. Either way, it was cool. It's, cool it, that we it, got him. His voice, his voice sounded weird. I think there was still a breadstick in his part. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, as for me, uh, I am at Sean Soapbox on Twitter. Uh, I would love to continue the conversation about Marvel. Even if you disagree with me, I, I'm open to that. Let's talk about it. Um, with that, we have the Comics Pal signing off. Take care, guys. Bye! Super Slam!